down to Y Flutie, edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. Andrew Emmer is back in the studio. We so appreciate you being with us after what was a great week 12 involving Thanksgiving Day action here in the NFL. There were a lot of fantastic performances this week, by the way. A bunch of fantastic performances. If you caught us earlier in the week, you heard our inside-the-pocket quarterback spotlight on Aaron Rodgers, who paced the league in total QBR and just went scorched earth against the Chicago's Bear defense that had been playing quite well heading into the matchup. Rodgers just torched him. Not a ton of yards, but extremely efficient, really smart with the football, very accurate with the football, taking advantage of any little sliver of hope that the Chicago Bears gave him and making some off-balance throws that are just really difficult to wrap your head around. So I had a great time watching the tape and documenting down by down just how fantastic that performance was. But if we're going to give the Gold Star of the Week award, how can it go to anyone other than Patrick Mahomes? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I guess I'd be remiss if we didn't throw a little love towards Tyreek Hill as well. But Patrick Mahomes was ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous on Sunday afternoon. Now, if you look at his efficiencies when targeting anyone other than Tyreek Hill, maybe it wasn't his best day, but he finished second in the league in total QBR. He threw for 462 yards to go with three touchdowns, was sacked a couple of times, and his off-target percentage was a little higher than it usually is. It actually came in at 13.3 on the off-target percentage, which is unlike him. He's usually single digits at the very worst. However, some of the throws he was pulling off, those were not high-percentage completions. And granted, he did cool off a little bit in the second half, but my goodness, he was absolutely ridiculous, especially when targeting Tyreek Hill. He threw it to Hill. Well, they completed 13 passes to Tyreek Hill, and they went for 269 yards and three touchdowns. So everybody else, he completed 24 passes for 193. But to Hill, 13 for 269 and three touchdowns, all just pushing the ball down the field and being remarkably, remarkably efficient when taking advantage of some of those deep shots. Really fun to watch that performance. And unfortunately, on the other side of the coin, there was Tom Brady. And I'm not going to give Tom Brady the Tighten Up Award. I'm really not. Because I thought Tom Brady did the best that Tom Brady could do. Uh, He ended up finishing the game quite strong. Uh, He really did. I mean, all things considered, he threw for 345 and three touchdowns and gave him a chance as the game went along. But what I got to get figured out, and this is something between him and Bruce Arians, they have to figure out something that makes Tom Brady more comfortable. Like, it has to. 
because right now teams are getting pressure on Tom Brady at a higher clip than at any other point in his career. For instance, on Sunday against the Chiefs, when he was pressured, he was four of nine for 90 yards and two interceptions. When he wasn't pressured, for the record, he was 23 of 32 for 255 and three touchdowns. Four of nine for 90 and two picks. Or 23, 32, 255, three touchdowns. I mean, and the problem is they had such a beat on their protections. Like if you look at the tape closely, you'll notice on several different occasions that there is an unblocked Kansas City chief that is breathing fire towards Tom Brady. I'll give you a couple examples in case you want to go just take a glimpse at it. Go look at Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense on the first quarter with 10 minutes and 35 seconds remaining and the first quarter with 10 minutes and 29 seconds remaining. And then the first quarter with seven 11 and then the third quarter with two fourteen. Those are the four timestamps. All that time remaining, all those different games, all those different plays, there was an unblocked defender in Tom Brady's lap. Now, I don't know if that's Tom Brady's fault because he's not getting the protection adjusted to make sure that everybody is blocked and accounted for. I don't know if that's Bruce Arians' fault for not being willing to adapt an offense that provides answers when a team overloads you in pressure. And I don't know if it's a combination of the both because. They're both kind of stubborn. They're not really willing to change in order to incorporate what the other has done well for so long. All I know is that that offense right now, relative to what it should be, stinks. And they need to find something and find it quickly. Now, I do appreciate all that being said. I do appreciate what they did in the second half. They kept fighting. And there's something to be said for that because they haven't always done that. Remember the Saints game just a few weeks ago. This team at least bounced back. Maybe they found something in the second half. Worked a little play action. There's been a lot made of cross ball motion, which Brady's made a living on. Indicator motion is what we used to call it, where a guy motions across the ball. And if a guy runs with them, it's man to man. So boom, you get to your man beater. If he doesn't run with them, it's zone, perfect. Get to a zone beater. And everything's called at the line of scrimmage. Maybe that's something you need to consider here in the weeks to come. The other thing that I want to talk about here as far as tightening up, Right now, I think the game played between the Broncos and the Saints was maybe the most difficult game I think I've ever had to watch as, a, as an NFL fan. Like, and it's not necessarily about what Kendall Hinton did or didn't do. The guy was in an impossible situation. Impossible situation. He played 24 snaps at quarterback on Sunday. 24. On those 24 snaps, the Bronco offense gained 36 yards. I understand. Look, he hasn't played quarterback in four years. I'm not sitting here discounting the challenge that he was thrown into. But my goodness, that's all we could come up with? Like Royce Freeman snapped the ball or received the snap 10 times and gained 47 yards. It's 4.7 yards of play. And then Philip Lindsay received the ball via the snap nine times for 29. That's 3.2 yards of play. 
I, I just, that was a brutal effort. I mean, absolutely brutal effort. And I know it was an impossible situation, impossible situation, but still, I mean, if we're going to look at the quarterback spot, tough one to look at. It really was, but we're going to move on. It's not going to be our Titan up there. Don't feel like it's fair, frankly, for that to be the Titan up. Tighten up award could go to a few different guys this week. Thought the quarterback play at the bottom of the league was less than stellar, but the Tighten up award is going to go to Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, and granted, it was not all his fault. I mean, far from it, full disclosure. I mean, he was in a position to play on the road against what his coach called the best three-win team ever in the NFL, like whatever it was. But Derek Carr just did not play well. I mean, he didn't see the field very well. I didn't think he did a great job of getting the ball out of his hands. I thought he, along with everyone else associated with the Las Vegas Raiders, were extremely sloppy. Extremely sloppy. And that was a real surprise to me. This is a team that you thought was maybe starting to find themselves a little bit. I mean, were we too bullish on what they were trying to do? Maybe we were, but that was a massive step back after what was progress shown in the weeks leading up. I mean, Derek Carr committed four turnovers, including losing three fumbles and a pick six. I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean, they all came under pressure um, and he's had 10 turnovers on pressure, whether it's sack or duress this season. And he went three for 10 for 25 yards in the interception and three sack fumbles when he was pressured this past week. I mean, the week before, I mean, he was great against pressure. Nine of 14 for 93 and a touchdown. Well, this week, it all came crashing down. Law of averages, right? It's the way it kind of works, I suppose, in the NFL. Uh, Another guy that kind of cooled off as the game went along, I don't think he's quite deserving of a tighten up award, but Phillip Rivers, after what was a really good start for the Indianapolis Colts, down the stretch, Phillip Rivers went just 17 of 34 for 187 and a touchdown and an interception. That's in the final 10 drives. So, first two drives, he goes seven for eight for 108 and a touchdown. Last 10, he was 17 of 34 for 187 and a touchdown and interception. First two drives, 14 points for the Colts. Last 10, 12 points for the Colts. So he really cooled off as the game went along. And then another guy that I considered for the Tighten Up Award was Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray was the bell of the ball there for a little bit, man. And I mean, he just did not look prepared. He didn't look like he had a plan against the Patriots. I mean, Cam Newton was worse than Kyler, but he got the win at least. So he's not on the list right now. I mean, Kyler Murray, the last two games has chosen not to run the football. First nine games of the year, he had 54 carries for 290 yards and eight touchdowns. Well, the last two games, He's had five carries for three yards, zero touchdowns. Like the jury's out right now on Kyler Murray. Like we know he can torch you 
torch you with his legs. But if he can't run, can he beat you throwing it? At least at this point, he hasn't been real consistent doing so. Doesn't mean he can't. Just means he hasn't been real consistent doing so. They need to get back to finding some designed rushes for Kyler Murray because things have not been going so well of late, at least these last couple of weeks. The bounce back award goes to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield endures so much criticism. I mean, it's unbelievable how much heat this guy gets. Oh, well, they only won by two against the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, at what point did we start to give credit to Cleveland for being 5-0 and in one-score games? I know that they're, they don't win pretty. I get that. I didn't know we were giving style points out in the NFL now. I didn't know there was an AP poll where we rank everybody. No. The job of the quarterback and of the team is to win the game, pretty or not. Now, would I like them to put together a 60-minute effort? Of course. But let's also give credit to the Jaguars, whose coaches are coaching for their lives. Mike Lennon's back in the mix. Like, There's some things to you know, kind of take into account. And if you look at Baker, on play action on Saturday, he was 9 of 15 for 138 and two touchdowns. That's the most completions and attempts in the game this season. And when he was targeting Landry, he was even better than the averages, including the touchdown he had in the first quarter. He's 5 of 7 for 95. So when you look at what Baker Mayfield did this weekend, pretty dang solid. Now, Nick Chubb is still the star of the show. That's to be expected. And Nick Chubb is amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And he ran for 137 yards between the tackles. <laughs> Eight and a half yards of carry between the tackles. It's ridiculous. The guy's an absolute star. But I think Baker Mayfield deserves to get a little credit. He hasn't been at his best all the time this year. There have been certainly plenty of moments in which you can be critical. I did not think that Sunday against the Jaguars was one of them. But he has his team sitting quietly at 8-3 and three on the heels of a three-game win streak. And albeit all three games, not the prettiest, but three-game win streak nonetheless. Also won four out of five. <laughs> and sandwiched in there is a loss 16-6 against the Raiders. But hey, he's got his team knocking on the door. Now, don't look forward if you're a Browns fan because the next five weeks get a little bit tougher. With the exception of the game at the Jets on December 27th, every single game remaining on the schedule is losable. So hopefully for Browns fans, that won't happen. All right, when we come back, we're going to visit with Jim Miller. Sirius XM NFL Radio's Jim Miller, next here on Inside the Pocket. And welcome back to Inside the Pocket. We are so excited to be joined by our next guest. He hosts so many different shows. I swear I hear him all the time on Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88. He's Jim Miller. Jim, what's going on, man? I'm doing great, Greg. Good to be with you, buddy. Have a good Christmas and hope you had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. Yeah, I had to, uh, had to cut back a little bit, went a little deep, <laughs> indulged myself last Friday. I'm back to my New York Jet keto diet, trying to clean it up a little bit, uh, where I didn't go like an entire month just to shave off a couple of pounds so I can catch up with Tebow and Sanchez as far as the body fat percentage is concerned. I don't know how well it's going to work, though. We'll see. The results <laughs> well, were mixed. I haven't worked out since I retired, so I'll try and get on your program. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. Uh, I think you would might have more, more luck than I would, man. Uh, 
we've talked a little bit this week and we spent a lot of time. So we do a gold star. We do the bounce back award and we do kind of a tighten up award. And I want to talk with you about some of the quarterbacks that are really struggling right now. I'm going to start with Carson Wentz and, and I'm having a difficult time understanding how the drop-off has been so significant, Jim. Confidence is a powerful thing, but this is something more than confidence. What do you chalk up his inconsistency to? Well, I think, one, he's pressing. All right, he, he's got to trust that he is their guy. You know, here they traded up to number two to get him in Philadelphia. Then they doubled down when they got rid of Nick Foles and they gave him the big contract. And remember, at that time, there was a lot of talk within the locker room that a lot of the players didn't believe in Carson Wentz. They wanted to go with uh, Nick Foles at that time. And I just think for him, he since then has pressed the entire time. This guy at one point was up for the league MVP yeah. while he was playing. But, hey, I watched that game the other night against Seattle. I just rewatched it this morning. I mean, he's off with his throws. He's not trusting uh, reading his coverages correctly, like going, you know, it's man-to-man coverage, and he's throwing zone beaters. I mean, I don't right. get it. Uh, so his confidence level is at an all-time low, not to mention everything that's around him right now. No Terrible. Deshaun Jackson. Granted, uh, you look at Alshon Jeffrey, he can't beat anybody off the line of scrimmage because of the uh, the foot injury, and he was never a burner to begin with. And then, of course, when you look at Zach Ertz and the and the tight ends aren't there, Goddard was there the other night, but the offensive line has been in flux all season long. So it's been an uphill battle uh, for him the entire time, and that just really compounds. The pr- that's the issue, though. He's right. compounding on the issues that are already there with the yeah. injuries and then with the poor decision that just compounds everything that that's happening in Philadelphia right now. And, and part of it to me, he doesn't trust it. I mean, he doesn't, for instance, there was a play the other night watching and the safety, it was a nice read. They had the free safety on the weak side, come down after they went hard play action on the draw. Yeah. He's got Goddard over the top and he hitches twice and all of a sudden he's just a little bit underthrown and the ball's a little bit late, can't get enough into it because a guy's in his lap. If you hitch once and you anticipate the throw, right. it's a touchdown. It might be, it might be a touchdown. It was at least at the bare minimum be a huge play. And he just doesn't seem to pull the trigger for whatever reason. So I think it is confidence. I think it's supporting cast. I think it's a whole cast of characters. Moving on next to the aforementioned Nick Foles and the current situation at the Chicago Bears. I for one think that Nagy has not done a great job under any circumstance. They don't have enough weapons. Uh, their change of pace. Let's put Cordero Patterson in at running back. That'll get it. That'll mix it up, you know. But I also don't think he has done a great job of giving Mitch Trubisky uh, a lot of answers, especially when he can really only consistently rely on his legs. How do we assess that situation right now? Yeah, I, I think if Nick Foles would have been healthy, he would have played against Green Bay. That's right. my little take on it and why coach waited uh, the entire time. And then finally, Nick couldn't go. So they placed Trubisky in there. You saw the result. He's thrown into double coverage. He's thrown into triple coverage. And you know as much as anybody that it's just one decision. One poor decision can cost you a game. Yeah. The Bears were out of that game so quick with the poor decision-making of Mitch Trubisky. So I personally think, hey, Mitch may go again this week, but it's, it will be only because Nick Foles isn't healthy. If Nick Foles gets healthy, Nick should be back in the lineup. They've already made that decision. They made it early in the season, so I would think they would go back to Foles. Which, which coach hates their quarterback more, Nagy 
against Trubisky or Arians against Brady. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's really it's amazing to see the just the issues. I mean, Trubisky, believe me, all the criticisms warranted. It's totally deserved, and it's a challenge, but it's uh it's a problem there for sure. The disconnect between him and the lack of trust that Nagy has towards Mitchell Trubisky and even Foles to a certain extent, but he doesn't have a chance behind that offensive line which is remarkably leaky. Another guy that has taken, I feel really unfair criticism, Jim, is Baker Mayfield. Like, I, he hasn't been spectacular, but if you actually look at it, his quarterback rating, his QBR, is higher than anyone else in the AFC North right now, including wonderkin Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, who's got an undefeated team, and Lamar Jackson, last year's MVP. He has the highest QBR amongst the four. Why is it that he continues to get so much criticism for the up and down play that his team seems to have on a weekly basis? Uh, I don't know, because I think that offense is perfect for him. I think Kevin Stefanski, you know, the outside zone, the bootlegs, just how they run the football. That is the perfect offense uh, for Baker Mayfield. And I think, you know, you're starting to see the results. Hey, granted, there's no Odell Beckham in the lineup. Right. He did last week with Landry. I thought it was pretty impressive stuff. So I like what I've seen. Granted, it was a, the back end of his rookie year where he lit it up and threw all the touchdown passes, had the down year last year. Now I think he's having a bounce back season and what is a perfect offense uh, for him and what Kevin Stefanski is calling. So, you know, I think the arrow's up on, on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I, I, he can't seem to I, – I get it. Like, he – he's brash and I think yeah. he's made enemies after his antics, after his rookie year, that off season. And people just right. can't seem to get over that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why you're, you know, you played in the league forever. Like how should guys approach him from a personality standpoint? Like would he frustrate you the way he frustrates other guys? No, I, I don't think he would frustrate me. Cause I think he's a hard worker. I watched him and I believe you were at that senior bowl down in mobile and just how, what a technician he was, how hard he worked. He takes uh his craft seriously. I think it's important to him, but like you said, he's coming from the college system that he came in and obviously all the hoopla around him. And then he has all these commercials where he's not doing so well on the field. And that kind of backlash comes back at you. I just think now he's starting to focus more on the football uh, side of it. And I think the dividends are happening. No, it's, there's, there's no denying that uh, <laughs> the commercials never help. I'm not going to, I mean, like I remember talking to Andrew Lux said, dude, I'm not doing a single commercial. I'm not doing one. I go, Drew, you could have every commercial, like you're goofy and funny. And like, we can all kind of relate to you because you're a nerd. But then again, like you're a baller and he wouldn't do it. RG3 did all the commercials and look what happened there. You know, it's just, it's crazy the way those things work out, how commercials can come back to bite you as we visit with Jim Miller. Uh, does such an incredible job with Pat Kerwin on moving the chains on Sirius XM NFL radio channel 88. Jim, another guy who I think is starting in his last spot. I don't see a situation in which Cam Newton's performance this year can be justified beyond his performance against Seattle in week two. Yeah. It has been largely unimpressive. Okay, so he put together a great double-digit comeback against the Jets. Uh, do I need to explain that further? It's the Jets. You know, <laughs> let's keep things in perspective here. Is this the last stop for Cam, or do you think things can, with a good end of the year, he can kind of rehabilitate his image here in the final few weeks and find a starting gig next year? Uh, yeah, I think he'll be able to find, because there's, I mean, much like last year, there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. Uh, I really believe that through veteran quarterbacks, because what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford in Detroit, yeah. you know, you look at Cam, he could find a home, let's say it's Chicago, you know, the Chicago will just have Nick Foles there, you know, bringing a guy and, you know, a guy like Cam and compete to start. 
uh, type of a deal. He hasn't played his best football. There's no doubt about that. He's been inconsistent uh, throwing the ball. Um, everybody talks about the weapons in New England. I don't think they're all that bad. They've got a good run game. I think Demarius Bird and, and those guys are better than what they're advertised as. But I think Cam has just been off. He's just been off. He's He hasn't really played football for 18 months. And so much like Alex Smith and some of these other quarterbacks, I think Cam's still kind of knocking the rust off. And obviously that COVID-19 test didn't help him either when he's in and out of the lineup. And that offense is a lot different. And I played in it. That That is a game plan specific offense. And, you know, for him, I think it's been a kind of a different year for him and how the approach to football has been. So it's been inconsistent, like you said. Yeah, it really has. Uh, another guy too, and I hate to be a prisoner of the moment because I've been singing his praises the last few weeks and saying how underrated he is, but how can I look beyond the four turnover performance that Derek Carr put on tape on Sunday? I mean, Mike, what was you? Uh, seriously, Jim, like you, <laughs> that was one, that was so out of character. It was as if it like, it was somebody stole his Jersey and helmet. I hadn't seen that from him. I'm thinking here he is. He's progressing. He's got his team in the playoff hunt. Even in losing efforts, he's done pretty well for the most part. But that was a guy that I just didn't recognize. Like, how do we sum up that performance? Uh, I don't think you can. I mean, like you said, the six weeks prior to that, I don't know if any quarterback was playing better football than Derek Carr. And then he just slaps out a clunker like that. The pick six has the the fumbles, three fumbles in the pocket. And I don't know. I, I think we could all say yet you can have a bad day at the office and I'll chalk it up as that for Derek Carr, because if that happens again, that is just so out of character uh, for him. And it kind of was that way for the entire team. Yeah, it was, that was something uh, that was something to behold. Uh, then again, Gruden set the stage, you know, best three win team in the, in the league, right? At, <laughs> at least had it no longer a three win team. So uh, at least they had that going for him. His prognostication still quite good. Uh, the former broadcaster, now Las Vegas Raiders head coach. We want to end on a positive note if we can, uh, <laughs> because I feel like all we do is bury guys the last couple minutes, and I don't intend that to be the case. But the rookie play, Jim, at quarterback has yeah. been something to behold. Now, I know that Burrow had the catastrophic knee injury. I just hate that. I think we all do. Anyone that's watched him this year, he's been such a breath of fresh air. For Cincinnati, even though they haven't necessarily put together the record, he's been he's had them in games. That's all you can really ask for for a team that's in a total rebuild. But of the rookie quarterbacks that you've seen though so far, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and I'll be at a smaller sample size, but Tua Tonga-Vailoa. How do we feel about the young guys at the position and? Is there a guy of the three that you favor at this point of their development? I'll tell you what, if you were to pick them today with how they're playing, I think Herbert would go first. Oh, right. Did you see that? You watched him in college. I didn't see it. Like I watched him on the field, stood behind him and watched him throw every throw in warms because I was fascinated by him. I didn't see it, Jim. I really didn't. Yeah. He has, he has far exceeded what everybody tapped him as. I mean, that guy is just a physical, I mean, he's a horse. I mean, he is hard to bring down. He is big. He's strong. He's got the touch passes. He can throw with accuracy. He's got a a very strong arm. So Herbert has probably impressed me out of anybody. You mentioned uh, Joe Burrow, and he is talented, ultra talented. You know, they put so much on him so early, and he was passing everything with flying colors. It's unfortunate what's around him and, and how his season ends to injury. Tua mechanically I love Tua's mechanics and Chan Gailey. I was with Chan with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chan broke me in uh, as an offensive coordinator for the the Steelers. I think Chan is doing 
wonders for him because he keeps it simple. He keeps his game plans really simple. I think that's really good for uh, for Tua, but his his mechanics are flawless. But Herbert, by far, has jumped out at me the most with just how well he has done. It's been amazing. It really has, has Jim. I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We love listening to your show in the afternoons. You and Pat just do an incredible job breaking it down. I don't think anyone watches more tape than you guys outside of Steve Cohen. Uh, our boss at, at SiriusXM, also known as NFL Cohen, uh, who gives his breakdown on a pretty regular basis. Outside of him, no one's watching more tape than you guys. Well, I appreciate it. Good to be with you, Greg. I love listening to you doing the college games on Saturday. I'm always tuning in, so keep up the good work. All right, excellent stuff, Jim. Thanks so much. You can always catch Jim moving the chains on SiriusXM NFL Radio Channel 88. That'll do it for us here at Inside the Pocket. For Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you guys have a wonderful week, including a game at 3.40. Depending on when you're listening to this, 3.40 Eastern time on Wednesday, we have football. That's a good thing for all of us. This isn't even Thanksgiving week, and we got midweek action in football. So hopefully, depending on when you're listening to this, you're either enjoying, did enjoy, will enjoy that game. For all of us here at Inside the Pocket, remember, you can always catch our podcast on the SiriusXM app, and you can download us wherever it is you get your podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Podcasts.